welcome to Epiphany Fellowship's podcast, where our goal is to see people everywhere show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. We pray that you are blessed and encouraged by today's message and will allow the Word of God to dwell in you richly. All right. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to our gathering. Uh, I am glad to be here, and I hope you've been trekking with us through our series on strongholds because we are definitely going to continue that today. And um, I know that for, for some of you, many of you, um, any of any of us that are dealing with issues of strongholds in our life and we're looking to deal with working through and breaking free and dealing with the challenges in our life. It is it is a difficult task, but it is a necessary one. And so I want you to continue to dig it. I want you to make sure you're looking at your notes, too, because a lot of you been hit me up like I've been taking notes. I've been taking mad notes and I'm thankful for that, excited for that. But one of the things that I want you to do is I want you to go back and use the notes. Uh, touch somebody and look or look at somebody and say, don't just take my notes. Use my notes. Amen. Amen. And so, yes, yeah, so I am honored to be here today. We're going to dig right into this text. Let's go uh, to James chapter three, verses 13 through 18. James three, 13 through 18. Here we go. He says, who among you is wise and understanding by his good conduct? He should show that his works are done in the gentleness that comes from wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition, In your heart, don't boast and deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where there is envy and selfish ambition, there is disorder in every evil practice. But the wisdom from above is pure, first pure, then peace-loving, gentle, compliant, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering without pretense. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who cultivate peace. Um, I would like to talk about in our time together, uh, overcoming the stronghold of selfish ambition. Overcoming the stronghold of selfish ambition. Let's go before the Lord. Lord, I thank you for Christ who gives us clarity on every single spectrum of human life. Lord, I pray that our eternal life wouldn't just be something that we go to when we die, but we recognize that when we are regenerated by faith in Jesus Christ, eternal life begins. So in light of that, Lord, help us to live eternally when it comes to ambition. Uh, Break strongholds over us that are hindering and handcuffing holiness in our everyday life. Will you show us the spiritual uh, anemia in trying to do things on our own? But Lord God, help us to see the great robustness 
of when we do things on your terms. In Jesus' name, amen. Overcoming the stronghold of selfish ambition. Um, a few years ago, um, I wrote a book called Woke Church. And, but you know, before that, you know, my, my followership online was just going up. I mean, it was going up. I was enjoying it. You know, you know, you try to act like as a Christian, you try to act like you're not, you know, you're not feeling yourself. But I was feeling myself a little bit in the sense of, you know, I was like, yeah, I got a little bit of followership, you know, a little something, something. And, um, um, but when I woke, wrote Woke Church and began, I'd, I've been on the whole fighting racial injustice deal for a while. But when it, I, I, I like, I literally in one day, one time, lost 400 followers. Like 400 followers. Um, and I, 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 you know, I didn't expect me to take it like I did, but it, I felt a way about it. Next thing I know, I went down a, a grand in followers. And then 1,500, and it just was plummeting. And and I was I was like, why why is this bothering me this much? It's only a click of someone following. What it, what what about losing followers online? Why do I feel like this? And I said, man, do I have like some selfish ambition? Like, and I had to gospel myself. Really, I had to talk about Jesus losing followers and John six. You know. You know, I had to gospel myself because I I was realizing, man, I had a I had a bit of selfish ambition that was in me that I needed the spirit of God to work on. And um you know, and I I I you know, I don't I didn't realize, man, m you know, maybe at times many of us can clout chase. <laughs> um I'm just like, man, dude, it's all in my life. Help me, right? And, you know, as I began to work through all of that, I began, stop, I stopped looking at the follower account. I would make my posts that I felt were spirit led and I would leave them there and not necessarily worry about the response. Now, you know, many of us, we want to check, see how many people like it, what they saying. And, and um, you know, and God was using something as simple. I mean, it's, it's social media, but he was using something as simple as that to deal with my heart. To say, like, does only what I tell you to say matter when people like it? Help me today. <laughs> what, what do you do when I call you to a prophetic ministry? When there's going to be verbal rejection, restriction and restraint and even loss of financial resources. See, when that's when the rubber meets the road is then, then are you going to switch your game up because it's not lucrative sometimes to do things God's way? And so, man, you got to make those decisions. And so, you know, to follow God and have selfish ambition just don't work because a lot of times you will, uh, you know, a demotion in man's eyes will be a promotion in God's eyes. But a promotion in God's eyes can be a demotion in man's eyes. In other words, in other words, God keeps score differently. And so as we get into. This, there's, there's several passages, quite a few passages in the New Testament on selfish ambition that is explicit and implicit. And before we dive into our specific text, remember we're in a series on strongholds. So when we're, when we're looking at this as a stronghold, remember stronghold is a mindset. 
value system or thought process that hinders your growth, just in general. So that's the big umbrella that our series is under. However, specifically, now we're on selfish ambition. Selfish ambition. So now let's let's this is my working definition. It was it was kind of difficult to kind of just because I could like write a book on selfish ambition, like literally. So I had to narrow it down to some things that show that it's a what kind of mindset is behind the activity of selfish ambition, right? So <laughs> selfish ambition, listen, is a mindset value system and thought process, listen, listen, that does things for personal gain alone versus God's glory alone. Let me say that again. Woo! Hear me. Is a mindset value system thought process that does things for personal gain alone versus God's glory and the good of others. Um, that, that's, that's, a, that's a selfish ambition stronghold. I'm not saying you can't do stuff for your own benefit. That's not what I'm saying. But it can't be yours alone all the time. We'll work through that in the text because many people who have selfish ambition, listen, they are blind to it. Some people know they about themselves, but that we, in our culture, we have ways of being blinded to our selfish ambition. You know, when people say I'm self-made, ain't nobody self-made. I'm self-made, I did all this myself. I was grinding, I was doing this, and the reason why, and I get working hard, but again, it is what it is. Others, you know, others can see it though. They know, you know, people know how to cloak it in the right things to make it appear that it's about others, even God. I remember walking through Walmart with one of my kids. And as I was walking through Walmart, this dude was, you know, you know how the, the cast be, you know, at the counter with the, uh, w w the phone people, you know, they, they, um, they're funny because they'll say, hey, 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 sir, how you doing? Hey, you know, sir, what, what's your phone provider? You know, and I'll tell them, and they'll be like, so, so are they doing this for you? Are they taking care of this? Are they, you know, they're just going through. And what they're doing is they're trying to woo me on making me think that they care about how well I'm being taken care of by my phone provider. When really, at the end of the day, their motive is to get their commission. <laughs> That's how many of us treat the Christian life. We, we act like we want to help people. We act like we want to love people. We act like we want to serve people. But really all it is is a mechanism for our own personal commission, for our own pockets, and for our own life. And so as we go into this passage, um, we're going to see James do surgery on us. James is a book. James is, is uh, you know, I would love to call the book of James the real. My man James got more application in his book than most books in the Bible except for Proverbs. Know why? Because he's, he's writing in the spirit of a proverbial sage. Most commentaries lay that out that, that he's functioning as a proverbial sage. And so that's why so many verses in, this, in, 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 his, um, in, his, uh, in his book are so, he, he's, like a, he's like a punchline rapper, you know, 
You know, I mean, I mean, you put the high hats behind him and the 808s and he'll crush you. You know, don't let him get on some, you know, uh, 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 you know, what is, what is it called? UK, uh, what, what is it called? Uh, uh, kind of music? Ooh, I forgot what that's called. You know what I'm talking about, that music. That's, you know, uh, 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 that pop smoke feeling music, you know. Some, I'm sorry, the pastor not supposed to know that. My bad. So, um, <laughs> um, so James does this and he has pithy verses like, count it all joy, my brother, when you encounter various trials, knowing the test, know your faith produces endurance. You know, he has, you know, he has, he has that. Uh, uh, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Uh, uh, be quick to listen, so, uh, uh, slow to speak and, uh, uh, you know, and slow to anger. Uh, uh, faith without works is dead. Uh, uh, you, you know, he has like them, that, this is that book. This is, this is that book. Let not many of you be teachers. You know, how blessings and curses come out the same. That's James. James is that dude. You know, the prayer of the righteous. How many times have you heard that verse? This is like the, this is the one of the most quoted books in the New Testament, period. It's small and quoted the most because he did it that way. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. Let me just give you a real quick lesson. The Bible has art to it. And his art is built for memory. That's what he's trying to do. So let's dig in. I, I, I digress. The professor came out of me real quick. But check it. So <clears throat> number one, point number one, selfish ambition clouds and crushes kingdom contentment. Are y'all going to say amen? Are y'all going to say amen to that? That point off the chain for us to think about. Selfish ambition clouds and crushes kingdom contentment. Let's look at it. It says, who among you is wise and understanding? By his good conduct, he should show that his works are done in gentleness. This is motivation that comes from wisdom. Mm. So <clears throat> he's actually giving you motivation for godly ambition, which we'll talk about later. But he's, he's framing this because he's letting <coughs> the people of God know <coughs> that they don't have good motives, but this is where good motives comes from. When he asked the question, who is wise? This is the word Sophia. That's connected to the word in Hebrew, chokmah. He's a Hebrew, so he would have been thinking that way. The word here means <clears throat> who is wise when he say he means who's who's wise as a characteristic like that's what you are thought of right it means to uh, it means to uh, it means to have discernment here in this text but but in the broader sense of the word it means to be skilled in a craft of sorts uh, 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 I love the way Proverbs says it because he's pulling on that Proverbs 1 7 says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge Fools despise wisdom and discipline. <coughs> Stay with me, because this builds a foundation for godly ambition and dealing with the stronghold of selfish ambition. So fearing the Lord is the root of what gives you the ability to have godly ambition. Why? Because fearing the Lord means to stand in awe of him. It means to, it means to take God seriously when he says something. It means to reverence him. It means to, at the core of my life, wanting him pleased with everything in my life. That's, that's what fear means. Fear is not trembling, right? It, it, it means confident submission to God. And so when you have, because you're wanting to do things right and you're trusting him, 
that he's going to help you be right and do right. That's fearing the Lord, right? And, and so when we look at that, 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 uh, that idea, um, <clears throat> is, 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 is I wrote here, James is clearly about wisdom. The wisdom, the, this wisdom is a wisdom that is rooted in a worldview. Listen to this. It's rooted in a worldview soaked in the Bible and aptly committed to thoroughly, uh, uh, to, to thoughtful and resourceful application. Mm, yes. It's not just information to argue about. It's a lifestyle to live out. It's not something to just argue about. It's a lifestyle to live out. So hear me here. This is, this is, this is surgery. Let the Bible do surgery on me and you right now. So he says, he asked the first question, he says, who is wise? In other words, who can live the word of God out skillfully? Then he says, who is understanding? This is what I, this is a, a phrasal hendiatus, meaning he smashed two ideas together to make a potent communication of how he wants people to not just know information, but walk in practical transformation. So understanding can be translated skillful. It means having aptitude. I, I, I like the way I, I broke it down like this. Understanding is ha having a strong aptitude to you God, use God's word in everyday life. Do you have a strong aptitude to use God's word in everyday life? Now, you want to ask, what in the world does this have to do with selfish ambition? Everything. Everything. Right. And so he says, who has understanding? Right. Then he goes from there. He says, by his conduct, he should show that his works are done in gentleness. Wow. So by this understanding, good conduct, this is big here. Um, when he talks about gentleness that comes from wisdom, why would he talk about gentleness that comes from wisdom? How you deal with people. The motivation, your motivation always determines how you deal with people. Listen, hear me today. <laughs> if you want to use people for your own personal gain, then you, when they aren't up to speed on making sure it happens quickly because you're not a nurturer. See, people who are, have selfish ambition don't like to nurture anything. They just want stuff to happen. And so he, he's talking about he's, he's really pushing back to ch uh, the earlier part of this chapter when he says not many of you be teachers. Then he's talking about curses and blessings coming out the same. Foster, why would a person start cursing? Cursing here is speaking, uh, 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 invoking divine disfavor to someone, right? So he said, what would cause a person to do that selfish ambition, right? Watch, watch, look at verse, look at verse 14. <laughs> he said, but if you have bitter envy, Lord help us today, and selfish ambition in your heart. He said, don't boast and deny the truth. What is he saying don't boast? In other words, many people who have selfish ambition and bitter envy, boast in what they're about and deny the truth in how they're functioning in their bitter envy and selfish ambition. <clears throat> now, let's break this down. What is bitter envy? Bitter, let's break each word up. I need you to hear me. <clears throat> bitter means pungent, resentful. You know, I call bitterness, bitterness is rooted in, uh, in, a, in like, when you look at the, the lexicons on this, it always talks about things that you eat that causes a bitter response. And the idea of the word is to mean undigestible heart. Something 
something that's undigestible that you it's, it's so much of a mess when you taste it you got to automatic you got to get it out and you want to get the residue of you ever had something bitter and and, and it got and you you know you try to spit it off fast and, and even though it's not even there anymore you're trying to wipe it off and you're trying to drink milk or something to get the bitterness out that's what bitter people are like <clears throat> bitter and I'm, I'm, I'm gonna do a message on overcoming unforgiveness and bitterness right and unrighteous anger. That's going to be next time, right? <laughs> but listen, man, man, man. Th this is important for us to, to understand and know, right? Because bitterness is fermented anger. Envy is jealousy, it, a, a greedy or prideful longing for something <coughs> that belongs to somebody else, and God ain't give it to you. Jesus, Jesus. Jesus is watching, listen, envy is watching somebody else have what you have and instead of enjoying that they have it, you're mad because they got it and you didn't. <sighs> That's what happens with selfish ambition. That's why some of y'all need to take social media breaks regularly. Because some of y'all, your selfish ambition <coughs> comes out of the inability to watch people win. Jesus. Some of you can't stand to see other people doing well. And so what is bitter envy together? I'm going to read all of this. I wrote some stuff down. So y'all bear with me today. That's why I'm sitting. So I can just read some stuff. Look, look, look what it says. <clears throat> bitter envy is seeing God do something in someone else and developing a deep, a deep resentfulness in the heart because he gave someone else what you wanted. You know what I'm saying? Because you know how we are. <coughs> you ever, you ever size, uh, 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 sized up your gifting, your education, your competency, your intellect, your work ethic, your connections, your looks even, etc. Right? Against the person that has been given an opportunity that you wanted. <laughs> you, you ever say, you ever say, how did he get it that soon? I know I'm smarter. I know I'm cuter. I know I'm more gifted. I know I'm more educated. I'm more connected. But they got the platform and they got the opportunity and they don't have as much as you got. <clears throat> the other side is you could have been given something great to steward by God and someone else comes along <clears throat> doing it in the same lane as you are. Uh-oh. Or doing something different than you. Check this out. Something in your heart burns because they have become competition in your mind. You ever, you ever see somebody come in your lane and you act like the whole thing belonged to you? And then when they come, it's, it's something about, you, you know they're doing well, but you, you, there's some haterade in you. You know, every, all of us got a little bit of hate. And guess where that come from? Selfish ambition. You know, Particularly with many of us who are African-American who want to be the only Negro in white spaces. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Who said that? Uh-oh. And then when another Negro come along, we want a crab in the barrel thing. Uh-oh. You know, so some of us, listen to me, are haters. And it's ungodly. Because it comes from selfish ambition. We should want everybody to win. 
Now I know that that you know I know you like to be you know on the on the food chain of supply and demand. It's not many of me, so let me get all of this right. <laughs> I can't tell you how many rooms I've been hated on by black people in white spaces because they didn't like me because they felt like somebody else's come up was coming at their neck when nobody was doing anything. <laughs> anyway, <clears throat> even someone one listen. This is this is so important. But let me tell you something. Intimacy with God can get you places competency can't. Do y'all hear your pastor? I just told you that your prayer life, your time with God can t that don't mean be dumb. Now, that's not what I'm saying. But it can get you places your competency can't. And you got to recognize that sometimes people got what they got. It's not because they're good, as good as you. It's because they sought God more than you. Uh oh, help me today, God. So what is selfish ambition? <clears throat> he lays it out. He begins saying, but if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart, don't boast <clears throat> and deny the truth. What is selfish ambition? So look at how much the Bible talks about selfish ambition. It's crazy. 2 Corinthians 12, 20, Galatians 5, 20, Philippians 1, 17, and 2, 3. It talks about it all over the place. Selfish ambition, right? It says in Galatians, it says, now the, while the works or deeds of the fence are obvious, sexual immorality, <clears throat> moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatreds. I like it. It's funny. It said hatreds. <laughs> Plural, <laughs> hate a raid on steroids, right? Strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions. Wow. Verse 17 uh, 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 of Philippians. The, the others uh, proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely. <clears throat> Verse 3 of chapter 2. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. That, that, like the Bible talks, so, so what is selfish ambition? It's a strong drive for personal success without moral inhibitions. It is a strong drive for personal success without moral inhibitions. When you have selfish ambition, you don't care what the moral fabric of what things are have to happen in order for things to get done. Daniel is an amazing example. Hananiah, Mishai, Azariah, they're good examples of not having selfish ambition. Because one of the things that you'll see in Daniel, Hananiah, or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they had the opportunity to just eat great stuff from the king's table, they saw it as a conflict of interest with God's hand on them covenantally. And so they was willing to make a sacrificial decision and negotiate the ability in a culture and in a world, listen, where they can still honor God, yet please those who they were submitted to. What's powerful about it is, is they ended up looking better than the regular people. Why? Because they trusted God. Listen, exaltation without God is to me to be in hell. But exaltation with God is purpose, family. You know, and so when we talk about this idea of selfish ambition, selfish ambition <clears throat> means to want to rival all the time. It denotes self-seeking and, 
and, and, and all of that. And so it's interesting in third John, it's crazy what he says. He says, I wrote something to the church, but Diotrophes, who loves to have first place among them does not receive our authority. Let me tell you something. People who have selfish ambition have always have a problem with several things. People with selfish ambition, based on this verse, always do several things. They resist spiritual authority, always. Because spiritual authority, they don't want to submit to anything that can put the brakes on what they want to do. So, I, 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 and, and they also bypass accountability. They never even ask the people around them stuff. When you, you, you like, how you, like, somebody, you just get married and you come with a fiance to your friends and say, hey, and they're like, who is this? And you want them to be excited about it. How are they going to be excited about something you didn't include them in on? But you just bring them out of, no, bring the person out of nowhere and expect everybody to be happy. And you mad because you want to do what you want to do. See, selfish ambition does stuff like that. And then you think it's other. See, then you go on Facebook and Twitter and wherever. You know, see, we got haters out there. People got to be all in your business. But you and God got it like this. See, see, all of that right there. See, all of that right there is some bull jive. All of that, all that right there is you wilding, and then you end up, and then this, this is this is what get on my nerves. Then some of y'all make the mistake, do the thing, and it ends in tragedy, and then you don't come back and, and say, I was wilding. You just try to move on. You erase all your pictures and start a new Instagram page. You know how we do. You know, and so, and so because we want to act, uh, uh, my life is new now, and God has got me in a new season. Like, stop it. Stop it. Like many of us who have suffered ambition, we're so fake. Stop it. Listen, this is the other one. Move their own direction <coughs> without counsel and then ask what you think afterwards. Like, what do you what do you mean? What do I think? You did it. Right? <laughs> Doesn't take counsel that conflicts with their personal interests. I, I hate it when people say, Hey, hey, that Pastor E or Pop or Bishop, whatever. Hey, Doc, give me some count. I need your counsel. You get my counsel and you do the exact opposite. I'm like, don't come to me no more. Don't come. I'm, I'm just being pastor mad now. Don't come to me no more. I don't, if you don't want me to pastor you, don't ask me, no, don't ask my advice. Oh, that was a good word. Then you go off in Wonderland doing something else. Like, that's the frustrating thing about pastors. Some of y'all, some of y'all just, just don't listen. You just, and you just go off the deep end and just do what you want. I'm like, don't answer me nothing. If you was going to do that and that's what you want to do, I am not your certified person to, to notarize your madness. If you want to be, don't try to say, yeah, did you talk to me? Yeah, I talked to pastor. And you know, it, it was, you know, it was some confirmation. You know, y'all with that confirmation mess. Anyway, pray for me. He said, this is in your heart. All of this is in your heart. I got to work this stuff out, y'all. So this stuff is all in your heart, right? How do you know it's in your heart? It's in your thinking, it's in your affections, and it's in your actions. He, he gives some probing questions here. Now, where does he give the probing questions? In chapter four, verse one. <laughs> because when selfish ambition doesn't work out or it works out for a while and then starts crash landing, you're like Mayday, Mayday, right? 
This is what chapter four, verse one says. He says, what is the source of wars and fights among you? This is a bunch of people. You got a bunch of selfish, ambitious people in the church, right? This is what he's talking about. You're in the church together and all of y'all are fighting over positions and opportunities because all of y'all, none of y'all got godly motives. That's what he said. He says, don't they come He said, don't they come from your passions that wage war within you? You desire and do not have. You murder and covenant cannot obtain. uh, 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 He said, you fight and wage war. You do not have because you do not ask. You do not, uh, you ask and don't receive because you ask with wrong motives. That's what this verse is about. And so you begin to, you begin to see this is why he says it. He says, so that you may spend it on your pleasures, selfish ambition. <laughs> so where does this wisdom come from? He said, this is a different kind of wisdom. Skillful foolishness. Where does skillful foolishness come from? He says in verse 15, such wisdom does not come down from above, but it's earthly. Unspiritual and demonic earthly meaning belonging to the characteristics that are distinguished and opposed to heaven jesus christ in heaven y'all better hear the preacher today now 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 i know my charismatic people gonna get some chills on this one um unspiritual means soulish listen to me Mm, mm, mm. which describes life apart from god In other words, characteristic of earthly human life as opposed to that which is spiritual. So 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 you just like like now you that's why you see people who have selfish ambition always creep away from the faith. Ninety nine point nine percent of the time because God listen, because God doesn't stamp or bless their dreams and vision. They begin to move on the side of the one who can help them with their dream and vision, but God is opposing them. And instead of seeing God's opposition as either don't go that direction or you're not ready to go that direction, you need to mature, you need to develop. I want more character in you. It's you become resentful towards God. And then what begins to happen is you become very pragmatic and amoral. Uh, uh, and what you begin to do is you begin to say, I want to do what works. I become massively, superlatively pragmatic and what happens is is you find yourself creeping away from the faith talking about that's a good vibe over here then you start dogging the church talking about I'm in I'm, I'm with my people you you all up in the picture vibing and everybody wow everybody wilding you know what I'm saying and you up on some I'm on I'm on I'm on positive vibes and all of that kind of bull jive right unspiritual he ain't holding no he ain't holding nothing. Listen to what he's saying. <laughs> Unspiritual means, uh, listen, characterized by created, finite, and in a fallen world. Then he says demonic. Characteristics of spirits in rebellion to God. Do you know that selfish ambition is rebellion against God that resembles the devil's selfish ambition towards his own goals and ends? That's that's what this is. He said, for where there is evil and selfish ambition, there is disorder and every evil practice. 
Last point. Let's make the transition. Godly ambition keeps score like God does. Yeah. Godly ambition keeps score, listen to me, like God does. Verse 17. <clears throat> but the wisdom from above is pure. Then peace, then peace loving, gentle, compliant, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering without pretense. Amazing. When it says first pure, that's wisdom from heaven. Now, when we say wisdom from heaven, we don't mean it stays in heaven. See, being truly heavenly minded means being of earthly good. I hate that statement. If you're heavenly, you're too heavenly minded of no earthly good. No, if you're truly heavenly minded, it definitely is of earthly good. Look at what he says. He says, it's first pure family, meaning has motivations that come from the right place. You have to feed your, like, like you, you, you have to, you have to, you, and I'm going to talk in a second about application about how to check and replace your motives. You have to actively do that. You have to actively check your motives have them checked and replace them and nurture right motives in yourself. You have to do that through God's word. You have to. The gospel in and of itself is absolutely, you can't even look at the gospel and see selfish ambition. Everything about the gospel is of godly ambition and God-focused and others-focused. God-centered and others-focused. Uh, like, it's no way to even look at the gospel. There's nothing about the gospel that's selfish. Nothing. Nothing. So the first pure, it comes from the right place. Number two, look at what he's saying. It's peace loving. This is, this is mad dope. Know why this is amazing? When he says peace loving, he puts, uh, I, it's really just, it's, it's a form of the word, arene, which comes from shalom, peace. It, it means promoting wholeness. Oh. It, it, it means promoting well-being of yourself and others. It means that in, with self ambition, I won't do something that will hurt others if it benefits me and hurts other people in a way that it shouldn't. This is important. It means to be free from worry, regret. That's what this peace-loving deal means. It's rooted in shalom, God's mechanism to bring healing. He said, this is where, he said, this is what godly ambition, this is, this is what wisdom looks like that comes from above, applying truth this way. It's gentle. It's not insisting on every right letter or law or custom or unyielding. It's not, it's yielding. It is kind. It's forbearing. It bears with people. You know what I'm saying? It's patient with people. Then it says it's compliant. Persuadable. This is dope. See, compliant meaning you listen. Do you hear this? Willing and open to adopting another position. Y'all ain't hearing the pastor today. This way you know your motives are right. Belief. <laughs> That's why know, know what type of people this hard this hard to do with highly hyper spiritual, hyper charismatic people <clears throat> who use spiritual gifts without the Bible. Because a lot of times you'll say God said something and he ain't say it. You just was feeling real good in the moment. And you saying God said something and then it doesn't happen. You got to have the humility to say, man, he didn't say that. I was tripping. 
right? So, so you know, in, in other words, it, it, it's open-minded and willing to hear. That's what you know you don't have selfish ambition when you say, maybe I could be wrong. Maybe I was off on that one. Another, another thing about compliance, this, this word means is, I don't have to get credit for everything. I'm a team player. Mm. But then it says full of mercy. It means to be controlled by compassion shown towards people that offended you. That's God stuff. Then it says full of mercy. Then it says full of good fruits. I love breaking all this down. If you're bored now, I'm sorry. It says full of good fruit, controlled by good fruits. <laughs> Notice he says good fruits, not just fruits. Because <laughs> the enemy got fruit too. So he says full of good fruit, you controlled by good fruit. What, is, what type of fruit should I be controlled by? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. <laughs> what, what else do we know about good fruits? As Jesus said in John 15, 8, by this my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. He'll say in the next chapter, Paul will say, be not deceived for God is not mocked. What a man sows, that what he also reaps. In other words, you have good fruits coming out of stuff because you've sowed well and you bear godly harvest in your life. Oh, God. Then he says unwavering. unwavering. You're a non-divisive person, not tending to cause factions among people. Then it says without pretense, unhypocritical. I love all of this. This means genuine, sincere, without hypocrisy. Verse 18. It says the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who cultivate peace. That's how we root this thing, godly ambitions. So what are some characteristics of godly ambitions? I'm almost out your way. Characteristics of godly ambition. Number one, godly zeal. Godly zeal, godly passion. The Bible talks about when Jesus was cleansing the temple. It says the zeal of the Lord. It, it quotes Psalm 69.9. The zeal of the Lord's house will consume him. It, what, what motivated him to cleanse the temple, to temple? Godly ambition. Number two, finding our identity in who we are in Jesus versus what we do. I have been crucified with Christ. No longer I live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live to the glory of the one who was delivered up for me. Listen, that's what you have to have in your life. You have to find, because if you find your identity in other things outside of Jesus, you will always be filled with selfish ambition. That's why you have to constantly check to see if you are doing something out of getting your identity affirmed in a world versus flowing from your identity in Christ. Two different things. I'll show you how you know that in a second. Next, knowing that you are already accepted by God through Jesus. Listen, <laughs> John 3 said, he said, you're already clean because of the words you heard. He said, it's already a done deal, my dude, my sis. It's already done, right? So <clears throat> like, like we talk about God and ambition, we, that's where it got to flow from. Like Jesus is ultimately about God and ambition and he submitted to God for that. You know, John 5, uh, 530 talks about, you know, I do nothing from my own initiative. You know, even in the passage in Philippians 2, <clears throat> after the selfish ambition stuff in, in verse 3, it said he made himself in the likeness of a servant. He laid aside the privileges of deity, put independent use of his attributes aside, even though he was still fully who he was. That's selfish ambition. 
So some questions I want to ask you. First question. Is your ambition all about you? I got this from a website. I like these, right? <laughs> is your ambition all about you? Does, 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 does everything you do only benefit you or does it benefit others ever? Does your ambition allow you to serve God? Does it compromise your moral compass? You got to ask yourself that question. Is there room for humility? In other words, in your ambition, like we said earlier, can you critique what you're trying to do that might end up putting a hole what you want to do or scratching it all together? Does your ambition bring joy? Like, or, 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 do you, or do you feel like you're losing your soul while you're doing it? Hear me. What is the motivation behind your ambition? So just for practical sake, and I'm done, um, how do you check your motives? You know, when we first started Epiphany almost 15 years ago now, I was very nervous because I didn't preach every week before that. And, um, and uh, I, I didn't. I didn't preach every week. And so I was like, man, are people going to really be able to hear a word from me and grow spiritually from me preaching every week? Um, like people don't know what kind of pressure that is. Um, and as you know, I was like, man, are people going to be fed? And, and so I could sense myself, you know, as a young preacher trying to find my voice, trying to look for responses from the crowd, just desperately needing to know people were ministered to or that they liked me, really. That was it. I said, like, do they like me? I, would, I could care less if they were ministered to at times, even though I wanted them to be ministered to because I'm, I'm I am a Christian and I love God and people. But <clears throat> there was this part of me that if I heard that they liked me and they thought I was dope, and they didn't say that they were ministered to, I was more impressed with what they said about me than the impact the message had on them. And so what I ended up having to do is I memorized these groups of scriptures. One is in 1 Corinthians, you know, it says, I consider myself to know nothing among you but Christ and him crucified. And then, and then, then, I, then I got in that, uh, that, that first, is he the second Thessalonians? First Thessalonians 1 Thessalonians 1.5, where it talks about, uh, talks about, I did not come to you in word only, but in the spirit of God and of power, right? My favorite of them all that always humbled me is 1 Timothy 1.5. And the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart, a sincere faith, and a clear conscience. That one right there would just settle me down. What's your word for your selfish ambition? You have to have a word for your selfish ambition. You have to you you have to admit number one you got selfish ambition. That's that's how you you can't tear it down until you say you know what my motives behind this is wacky. That's why I'm always on edge. That's why I'm so uh, on angst. Like admit it, and then um, and then and then begin getting a word from God. That 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 thing would settle me so much, and I would continue to say it as I'm going up to the pulpit, and I would even. Pray before I preach, you know, Lord, let me decrease and let you increase. Um, you got to find your word for your selfish ambition. <clears throat> and when you find that word, 
for your selfish ambition, you have to nurture yourself in it. You have to nurture yourself in it. And that's, that's, that's called gospeling yourself. That's when you're starting to say, look, Jesus didn't do anything out of selfish ambition. And then you got to find a word for you in the word that condemns your selfish ambition and builds up godly ambition in you. I'm telling you. And you will have to constantly do it. You never become a master at not having selfish ambition. You can become a master at resisting it, though, and replacing it with truth. I'm done. I'm done. Hope this was helpful for you. Hope this was helpful for you. Let's transition to communion. Um, communion is a time to celebrate the death of our Lord. Communion is a time where you reflect on where you are and where you're not. That's what 1 Corinthians 11 is about. It's about taking it in a worthy manner. Taking it in a worthy manner means having reflection on the nature of Christ's death and its impact on your life. Taking it in a worthy manner means knowing that you're not worthy in and of yourself. You're made worthy because of what Christ has done for you. That's what communion is about. Communion is about celebrating all of the feasts in the Old Testament culminated in Jesus Christ as the fulfillment of it. That's why he uh, simultaneous with Passover is communion, right? Some people even call communion Passover. Um, but on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread. He gave it to his disciples and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Let us eat together. After the Passover meal and the bitter herbs, he took the cup, blessed it, and he gave it to his disciples and said, this is my blood, blood of the new and everlasting covenant, which is shed for you and many for the remission of sins. Let's drink. Mm. If you don't know Christ as Savior, I want to encourage you. Christ is the only way to God. Like to try to get to Jesus, any God, any other way is selfish ambition. And it's a fool's errand because it won't work. But Jesus Christ is God's roadmap to God. And you don't have to find it yourself. He, he, he takes you to God. If you want to place your confidence in Jesus' death and resurrection on the cross, Hey, our search team will put some information. That's how you contact us. We want to talk to you. Let's pray. Father, tame our ambitions. Help our ambitions to reflect you and not ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Take care. Have a blessed week. Hello, this is Dr. Eric Mason, founder of Pastor of Epiphany Fellowship. Thank you for tuning in today. Hopefully the word of God was a blessing to you. Also, if you want to help us build the kingdom from Philly and beyond, particularly in inner cities, partner with us today. And if you don't know Jesus as Savior, based on his death, burial, and resurrection, place your confidence in him and go from spiritual death to spiritual life. Tune in next time so we can see you go from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. God bless you. Take care. We love you.